Hi, I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business. Welcome to Be Epic, the podcast where we explore excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, and what those values mean in business, education, and your life today. I have with me today John Collins, the founder and CEO of OmniX. He's also a Walton College alumnus from 2001. Thank you for talking with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Here you are in Northwest Arkansas in the epicenter of retail and consumer products. I mean, we're in your office here, and your office is surrounded by the big brands. Absolutely. I mean, all the big brands in the world, the big consumer products brands, are within two miles of here. Yes. And so you rub elbows with all of these people, but, uh, but you are an e-commerce expert. That's how I think of you. And you have an e-commerce company. Mm-hmm. You do consulting for companies, but you also are really helping to sell products through Amazon. Correct. And, and so I know, of course, I've known you for quite a while, but I still find it amazing what you've accomplished. Oh. And I know your team continues to grow. It's challenging to run a business like this. It is. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things to where it never is a check mark. Hey, okay, we know what to do now, right? It is. It's never a. I've done that before. There's just so much that happens. It's one of those things to where, more so than maybe some industries, the ability or the requirement to have to innovate to come up with what are the new things that we have to do to continue to lead the pack. It's ever changing. You started OmniX in 2015, correct? Correct. March so it, 2015. So it's a it's a still a relatively new company, but as we know in entrepreneurship, you wind up morphing, mm-hmm. pivoting quite a bit. Absolutely. Would you mind talking a little bit about how? First of all, how did you found the company? Okay. And then how did you morph? <laughs> that's that's a great one, and I think I will. I'll, I'll start, and we were kind of talking a little bit about this earlier, and I'll kind of. Um, maybe go a little bit deeper and kind of talk about, you know, how did I get into e-commerce a little bit and just tell, I guess I'll give it my, my brief story in terms of how we got here. Um, you know, my background is in finance. Uh, so my degree was in finance from the U of A. And it was one of those things to where for me, I, I always kind of knew what I wanted to do, at least when I, was, when I was growing up. You know, I wanted to be at that time a stockbroker. I wanted to be, you know, dealing with investments. And so it was really never really a question about what I do, what I wanted to do or what I wanted to major in. And um, I started out pretty early. Um, I started working with Wells Fargo uh, when I was still an, an, an intern. Yeah, so when, when I was there at the U of A, um, I, I did start my kind of my finance career pretty early. I was working uh, almost full time, particularly around the last couple of years there uh, when I was still in school. And uh, so I was awarded the, the top internship award there at the U of A. All that to say is that I was pretty ingrained in what I wanted to do. And so I worked with Wells Fargo, I worked with um, uh, most recently at Merrill Lynch. And one of the things that I was kind of uh, wanting to do when I was still at Merrill here locally, my wife and I were contemplating a move out of, out of the area to California at the time. And as you may know, when you have a book of business, it's a fairly localized business. It's hard to manage a book of uh, investments with you know, a local business from 2,000 miles away. And I was really kind of thinking about what are some different things that I could do in terms of where it's not dependent on me sitting down directly in front of someone every day and just lining up my meetings and where John has to be heavily involved for the machine to run. And so um, one of the things I thought back to was 
during one of the also during a process of when I was uh, in the investments, I also owned a, a consulting company, and what we did is we worked with brands in terms of helping them get funding for their business. And uh, one of the things I did to really promote the business was really the reason why I did it is I wrote a book, and what the purpose of the book was that, hey, let's get everyone on the same kind of level playing field. Here's what actually goes into getting funding for a new business. And then as you learn that there's actually a lot of steps that's involved here, you'd say, hey, I need, a, I need someone to do this for us. Well, hello, I can do, I can help you do that. That was kind of the, it was a marketing kind of uh, avenue for me in writing the book. And one of the places that we launched the book was on Amazon. And so that's going back to around 2008 or so. One of the things that I found out is that we did press releases. We did all these different things. And one of the things that we did is, of course, on Amazon, we listed the book on Amazon. Well, of course, I thought that that's when, that's when the sales start. I came to come to find out is that just because you have a book that's listed there or any item that's listed there doesn't mean you're going to actually sell anything, right? So the actually selling the book and listing are two entirely different things. And so it really kind of, it was, a, it was a unique experience that although we didn't have success in terms of selling books, it was a unique experience and opportunity for me to learn that, hey, Amazon, particularly at that time in 2008, this is an algorithm that's very, very similar to uh, a search algorithm like Google at the time. And where if you understood what the algorithm was looking for and you could play to those characteristics that it's looking for, then you could get more visibility just like websites could on, on Google. If you knew what Amazon was looking for in their search algorithm, you could get a lot more visibility for your products. And so that was um, kind of earlier on that I realized that there was this kind of game that was being played with this algorithm. And one of the great things about that time is that the algorithm at the time was not very advanced. And so there's a couple key things that you could do and kind of tweak to really get your item showing up on the first, play, first page. And by the way, on Amazon still to this day, depending on the category, 81% of sales happen from items that are ranked on the first page. So you have to get the visibility. So what I learned kind of going back here to how we got to today was I had a debacle with the book, um, but fast forward to when I was there at Merrill Lynch, we were considering can I, can I move and maybe go somewhere. And I got really interested in wanting to launch my own brand. And if I had my own brand, it's not going to be dependent on John sitting down and talking to someone and, or any of those things. I could be anywhere in the world, and my brand is the one that's out of the forefront, and my brand is the one that's selling, and it's creating or could be creating enormous value. And so I got really into that, and that's when I thought about, hey, let's try this Amazon thing again. Um, but however, this time, let's do it a little bit differently than, I, than what happened with the book. Let's actually find out what are the guys that are ranking on the first page? What are they doing? They obviously were doing much things much differently than what I was doing. And so that was the start of me going to Amazon and launching a brand. Well, not much long after I started launching uh, my products there, and what I launched was a nutritional supplements company. And that product, because I started having a lot of attention there, paying attention to our creative, paying attention to our, our content and how, you know, our conversion, all those other things that goes beyond just listing on the platform, we started doing exceptionally well. You know, we eventually started selling. I had one product at the time. That one product started selling more than, you know, the big, larger, the GNCs of the world uh, on Amazon. Because, again, they were just kind of checking a box and saying, hey, am I on, am I on Amazon or not? And so I started having a lot of focus there. I started launching more products. I launched other brands. And I did that for a number of years. It was just myself, a small team that I had outsourced. And I had a really unique advantage that I knew how to outrank a much larger brand. 
So it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Those kind of more nimble, smaller, had a lot of deep knowledge on a platform. And I think you can really only gain by actually going there and experiencing it. It's not something you can do by going and reading a book or even calling up Amazon and saying, hey, my products are ranking on page 10, can you help me? <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen, that doesn't exist. And so um, I had a strong focus there. And so I did that for, for four to five years. Um, and then I had a friend of mine that worked for one of the shopper marketing agencies here locally. And just as you said, there there's thousands of brands here that are within the stone's throw right where we're at. And he says to me, John, I know you're doing this Amazon thing and you're doing, you're doing that and you're having some success, but we're, we work with uh, what we, what's, what's called brand equity pages on walmart.com. And he says, you know, we're building these pages, working with great brands, um, but inevitably when we're having our meetings, everyone's are starting to ask us about Amazon. Can you help us on Amazon? Can you help us on Amazon? And um, my friend says to me, well, we don't know anything about Amazon. So would you mind, you know, kind of consulting with us maybe a couple of times a week? If we're going to have a brand that's coming in and asking about Amazon, you can kind of be a representative of us. I said, you know, that's actually kind of an interesting thing. And kind of have an interest in how, you know, the agencies are working and you guys have some great brands. It sounds kind of fun. And to be honest, I had a lot of open time at that time because the great thing about Amazon and the brand is once you kind of get some things established, you kind of have this kind of pathway of sales that are coming in. And so I, I started doing consulting there, and I realized um, that, you know, there is a tremendous opportunity. And again, we're going back to 2015, and so you had, I had always kind of assumed that these brands um, that are much larger than mine, they might not be doing the same strategies and deepness that I was doing things, but they had an e-commerce team, that they had, you know, maybe two, three, four, five people doing some things and trying to figure things out. Um, and I came to, come to find out that, you know, from the most basic, you know, levels, the most basic concepts of e-commerce, I would start talking in, you know, in a meeting and it, you'd think I had three heads, you know, from, from this, you know, huge billion dollar brand. And so that was just amazing. It was a real eye opener for me. And so it was a great time. I had a, had a lot of fun there. But the biggest importance there is that I realized that I think there's a real opportunity from the brands that are right here in our backyard and guiding and ushering them across e-commerce. And when I talk about e-commerce, where we are today, a big part of e-commerce is Amazon. There's a reason why we're, why we're, why we're not called Omni-Amazon. <laughs> you know? It's Omni-X. Uh, right now, Amazon is out front. If you're looking at where the sales are at for many categories, Amazon owns 70% of those categories. Um, but we're seeing a lot of differences in terms of um, change with, with Walmart, uh, growth with Walmart.com. There's been a tremendous amount of change with Mark Worry and, and, and Jet. And so there is a lot of us kind of shifting some focus to the Walmart platform right now as well. How many people are on your team now? 22. Wow. That's a fast growth over four years. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things to where, and I think this is the journey of almost any company. It's hey, I think there's an idea here. I think there'd be some value that that, that uh, someone may get out of what we're trying to offer here. And um, again, you talk about a shift of how things have been between 2015 and 2019. Some of those focuses and the morphs we've had that I'll that we'll, I'll kind of touch on. Um, but the change has been different. Um, it has changed, the change has been quite a bit. But when we started out. We, um, it was, there was a lot of receptive. There was a lot of, you know, uh, product, if you will, to market fit. We picked up over 50 brands in our first six months. 
Um, and I'll kind of tell you that's probably not a good thing for kind of a small, nimble team. It's a small team to pick up over 50 brands in six months. And we had a lot of learnings with that. But it was kind of a testament to, hey, I think there's a real need for what we're offering out there. What kinds of functions do you have on your team? We actually, we, we have four primary, um, I'll kind of call it uh, verticals of what we're doing. We have our, our advertising t- uh, team. When you look at e-commerce, um, the advertising and that kind of the advertising and not only the advertising, but what we're really getting to is the visibility of the items is a big need. And when you look at an Amazon and you're seeing Walmart following a lot of those steps in the advertising side of things, we've seen some of this in other industries in terms of, let's say, a Facebook, for instance. It used to be when you'd make a post on Facebook, on, on Facebook you know, all your followers or, or what they called fans would see those posts. Now, not so much. The numbers now, about 2 to 5% of your followers or fans see a post, an organic post on Facebook. Facebook says, hey, you're going to have to pay us if you want your people to see it. I think we're going to see the same thing in e-commerce. You're seeing that on Amazon right now, there's a bit of such a prevalence of the ads um, that are on the placements uh, or on the platform. So it's not only about the organic search. What are you doing on the advertising side of things to, get, uh, to, to make your items visible? We're also going to see that in Walmart. Walmart just made an acquisition to Polymorph, uh, the company that's going to really help them go to the next level in terms of their advertising platform. What is it called? Polymorph. Um, I believe I've read it was, about it, but I don't know. Yeah, so what that's going to allow them to do is um, become much closer to what you see on the Amazon platform in terms of how the advertising um, portal works. Um, there's a strong self-service um, search uh, capability in terms of advertising on the Amazon platform that you do not see right now on the Walmart platform. And so when you look at in terms of Walmart growing their revenue, their advertising revenue, which is a goal of theirs, I think this this acquisition is certainly going to help them get there a lot quicker. You're going to be able to see brands and, and, and companies like myself that's going to be able to go out and self-serve and actually put some spend and give visibility to our items. So you personally developed the search engine optimization skills for Amazon. Yes. And trial and error. Trial and error. Yeah. A lot of experience. You were trying to provide for yourself yeah. that way. And now you've got a company that does it. Are you still the, the main guru here when it comes to Amazon search engine optimization? In a lot of ways I am. I would imagine. Yeah. I am I, I would say I am kind of the behind the scenes um, Amazon expert here. Do you uh, enjoy that? I do, I, you know, and I, I think that you know it's it's still my free time, and my uh, I I'm reading articles, and we got to talk about how much things evolve, um, and that's that's kind of that's that's e-commerce, right? And those are that's kind of you know that's what the platforms do. As soon as um, something starts working well, it's their objective is to change that, right? And kind of uh, stay you know a foot ahead of everybody else, and so um, that's that's something that I actually enjoy doing, and so I I, I do that quite a bit. If you search for a product on Google, mm-hmm. many times you'll see Amazon come up, right? And uh, and other and Walmart.com and others. Mm-hmm. And forgive me, but I don't know: is the search engine optimization coming from the brand that you're seeing, or from the platform? Both. When you look at Amazon, one of the hidden, I think, one of the most unique things, and I call it a hidden advantage that Amazon gives you, when you start having items that start performing well on the Amazon platform, Amazon, so you pay an Amazon, you pay Amazon fees, obviously. 
one of the things that, the, that those fees are getting you is Amazon starts to partner with those products that are performing well. Is if Amazon realizes that, hey, as these items move, we're making money. But when you have, as a brand, when you have a product that starts performing well on Amazon, Amazon starts paying that advertising, Google AdWords. So what you're probably seeing is, let's say you're doing the, the search for coffee mug or whatever it may be. I never knew that. Absolutely. And so when you see those, those ads there, Amazon is paying the bill for that, pushing the product right to a, to a, a brand's a product page. So that's a that's a huge win, huge kind of uh, you know cost that you're not paying for. So you have um, a huge incentive to try to drive business on Amazon because if you cross a threshold, all of a sudden you hit the afterburners. If Absolutely, and Amazon starts to kind of get there. They're pushing their win behind your sales. There, hey, we're gonna you know they're gonna you know, say here's one that's doing well. Let's rise it up even better. You know, you got to kind of think about um, there's something that I, could, I call, we call here internally, it's called the MAM factor. And that's not going to stand make Amazon the most money. What are the things that we can do to help Amazon make money? It's Amazon is a very smart company. And one of their biggest uh, goals is they want to make a lot of money. <laughs> so, and that's really smart. I mean, get everyone going in the same direction and yes. you'll get more of that. You'll get um, more of that. So, I'm more familiar personally with and I'm, I'm not an expert in this by any means, but I'm more familiar with Google search engine optimization. And mm -hmm. I may be out of date here, but I think of for search engine optimization, you want to, if you want to be on the first page or on or high up in the rankings, you need, you need to use words that keywords rank well, keywords. Mm -hmm. You need to have backlinks. Mm -hmm. Um, is that kind of thing true? There's a lot of similarity. I think with both, what you could say that the similarity between a Google platform or algorithm and an Amazon algorithm, both of them are ultimately trying to drive relevancy, right? For a shopper search or a consumer search versus what it's serving up. Google, what they're serving up is websites. Amazon is serving up products. Both of them are trying to be as relevant as possible and putting a lot of technology and really AI, artificial intelligence behind, hey, I know you said this, you searched, this is what you typed in, but what you meant is this, right? And what are all those things that's happening behind the scene that help them serve you, which you're going to actually uh, be interested in, in reading about or interested in purchasing? On the Amazon platform, the primary drivers are the items that are actually getting on the first page or prominent search rankings for me, are three primary things. One is your velocity of sales relative to the other items in that category. So um, let's say it is, again, coffee mugs, right? When you do that search, one of the things that Amazon is tracking, and they track everything, is so when that shopper goes to Amazon.com and they put whatever search term or keyword that may be in that uh, search field, they're tracking, okay, here's out of all our, our database of items that we have indexed that may have some kind of relevance to this search term, which ones are ultimately people buying the most, right? Now, here's, here's one of the things that we've recognized, one of the things I recognized very, very early on. When you 
put an item on Amazon, initially, when it's first there, there's not a lot of history. And so, especially for a competitive category, you certainly are not going to be on the first page. You're going to be on page 20, right? Because they're like, hey, we don't know you. We don't know what your what your performance is going to be. The first page, it's like our eye-level real estate, right? That's our Main Street real estate. That's the expensive stuff. Only the good stuff's going to be there. And so a brand new item has to kind of prove itself. And so one of the things that I found out very early, or kind of, I'll call it a, a very early metric that Amazon had is that when you had an item that was maybe it's new or whatever, maybe the timeline isn't so important, but it's not ranking well, meaning on the first two, three pages, and it's on page 10. When you start sending traffic, let's say, you know, I started, you know, as, as, a, as a brand sending traffic to Amazon um, with certain search terms. Let's say I, I was selling official, which is what I started selling. And I would pay a lot of money from Google to send traffic for people that searched on fish oil. And I would give them a coupon code, for instance. Hey, buy my fish oil and get it for 50% off. You have to go to go there, you're gonna search for it, and then find my fish oil, it's on page 10, right? So what that algorithm realizes that, hey, this item that's on page 10 is outselling these items that are on page one. Something's not right, we're, at, we're out of balance here. People that are searching fish oil are buying this item over in page 10. I better change that. And what do they do? They start moving that item up. So the velocity is a big piece of it. That's kind of the first metric, your sales velocity compared to other items on that search term. The second thing that goes into it is your conversion. How many people that are clicking into that item detail page or ultimately ended up actually buying the item? And so it, what that's telling them is, okay, we fed this item here, people went into it, we, someone bought it, we made money, right? If the opposite's happening, we had 100 people go into this item, only one person bought, versus when the other people bought, you know, that 100 clicks onto it, and there was 10 people that bought, a 10% conversion, we have, there's, there's not, a, there's not a, a search term to product relevancy. There's a relevancy problem. We're taking that off the first page, right? And then the other piece of it, thirdly, is how is our consumers reviewing this product? Okay, so maybe people are going and buying it, but if uh, but once Amazon starts to see that we're starting to get bad product reviews, it's a three-star product, two-star product, you're going to start to see your search rankings also start to tail down. So three primary things that we focus a lot on. And ultimately, you'd like for people to search specifically for your item, right? Like Jim's big coffee mugs. Yes and no. Would you and, I'll and I'll tell you why. Sure, I want to be found when someone puts in Jim's big coffee mugs, right? But let's think about it. Who would I, if we think about things from a visibility standpoint, right? What I want to be, what I want people to find me from is broad, fat search terms. I want people to find me not from just Jim's big coffee mugs, but when people put in coffee mugs. I want to be found. That makes sense. <laughs> okay. Because there's about 200. That's harder to do. That's much harder to do, right? So there's about 200,000 people a month, let's just say, that are searching for coffee mugs, right? And that's one of the things we pay a lot of attention to is the search volume of those keywords. And when we're writing content, those, those are the things that we're looking when at. When you trying say to content, make. you mean product descriptions? That's correct. And when I say content specifically, titles, bullet points, product descriptions. And then and and also back in. As well as photos, yes. How about videos? Videos are important, but it's important, I'll call it indirectly, because it's important to conversion. 
So if you've got a great video and someone's on the, trying to, you know, it's, it's sales, right? So if you can convert and have a great sales um, message in your videos, it's going to help you convert better. Um, now, we don't, we don't do a heck of a whole lot here in terms of production of videos. We do a lot of production in terms of the creative content and what we call an image stack. And so what, we, what we're doing is a lot of looking at the industry, looking at the category, the top sellers, the number one best sellers, how are they merchandising the items? What does their image stack look like? How are they doing their lifestyles? How are they, you know, their lifestyle images? What do their graphical images look like? We're trying to get a lot of learnings there. And that's one of the great things about a platform like Amazon is that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Everything I'm going to come to talk to, to Matt about, it's because here's what's proven that's already working, and here's what the data is telling us that's going to work for you. There's a proliferation of brands right now. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean in a good way. There's a proliferation of brands. Small players are able to create. And compete on the same levels And now. compete on the same level. Yeah. So the, you know, the optimal size of a firm in general is decreasing as a result of this. Right, right. And it's challenging for the big companies that are out there because... Someone, you know, Allbirds is an example, right? Yeah. I saw it on Instagram, and it said swipe up, and I swiped up. I picked my color and size, and then I, I don't remember exactly what it said, but I was able to buy it with my Amazon account. Perfect. They're right? Doing, they're doing something right. <laughs> so, so I was able to, because I already have my Amazon account set up, so it knew my address. Yeah. Had my credit card information. You didn't have to go into your computer or to your on your phone trying to put in a no. credit card. It's already there. So, so the they made it so easy to buy Allbirds. Yeah. And and so I bought them really because I wanted to see how the process worked more than anything yeah. personally. Yeah. Learning experience. But it really occurred to me that yeah, you're seeing this proliferation of brands. Yeah. Everybody can get into brands. What I say one of the biggest things that the Amazon platform has done over these recent years. And it's, a, it's, it's an amazing time. Because I think when you look at those early 2000s, and even we're still in the midst of it, I don't know of another opportunity where someone from very small means can go and compete with a billion dollar brand. What, what Amazon has created is what I like to call it's a brand democracy that has not existed in the brick and mortar world. Well, you see, you, you had a certain kind of a limited players that got, that got to play in that game. You know, the Cloroxes of the world, the PNGs of the world. How do you go and compete with those guys? You can't, right? But it's very, very hard to. It's unusual. What Amazon gave is a green light. This brand democracy, put your brand out there, make a great product like Allbirds, and you're going to have this wonderful opportunity to be right to the consumer. For someone like myself, it was a, you know, with, with my first brand on Amazon, it really was a life-changing experience because it's like I could not believe that I can be right here outselling GNC, outselling NatureMade from this product here in this small team that I have. It's a great product, and I had a, great, a better product than, than they had at that time, right? And so it was just an amazing, amazing opportunity, and that, and that opportunity still exists. That's one of the primary things that we're talking to those brands about, the larger brands, is here's what they're doing. What we have to now do from it, or you know, for our large brand, is say, what can we learn from those guys? What can we learn from the Allbirds? What can we learn from, you know, maybe some of the guys that are on Shark Tank and, uh, and, they, and then they went on to Amazon and had crazy success? 
What can we glean from them and put it into our product? Another example is when you look at the shaving industry, right? Um, one of our brands is in the shaving category, and you talk about a category with razor blades specifically that's, that's changed over, let's just call it the last 10 years, the entire industry has changed, right? I remember I, one of the biggest things that used to irritate me, and that's when I used to shave, is when I'd go to Walmart and I'd see those razor blades there, and it's $30 for this pack of six razor blades. And I'd say, there's no way I should be paying $30 for this pack of six razor blades, right? Well, I think a lot of people felt that, you know, but at the time they could do that because that that's, that, that's what was on the shelf. So then, of course, um, Dollar Shave Club came about. You saw, you saw then Harry's come about, these kind of direct-to-consumer guys that says, There's, you shouldn't be paying $30 for a pack of six razor blades. Well, what I'll tell you is that that has shifted the entire razor blade industry because of those guys. So one question I have about that is, and, and you're, you're really perfectly positioned to do this because you're in CPG uh, Central, yeah, here. Mm -hmm. You have friends, you have colleagues, uh, cla old classmates, alumni, yeah. Yeah. who are leaders in CPG. So you've got an unbelievable network. But at the same time, you know how the little brands are working because you've done it yourself. Yeah, You know how to use search engine optimization within Amazon. That's a pretty powerful combination of things. It's, it's a skill set. <clears throat> so what I'm wondering is... From your experience, because I really I have no idea, can the big brands compete? Can they take your learnings and apply it? I'll tell you, the answer is yes, they can. However, it's going to take strong commitment from the leadership to do it. Top leadership. Top leadership to do it. Do they have any clue? The answer right now is no. <laughs> what they see, what top leadership sees, and I'll give you a case in point, what top leadership sees is when they go to a place like Amazon and they put in whatever their company's primary search terms are, and they're seeing brands that, that, are, that are not familiar never to Never heard of them before. Right. They never <laughs> heard of them. They're saying, why is my brand not here? I am, I'm king of the castle here, right? Yeah. I'm a billion-dollar brand. Why are we not here? Right? And that's what they say. And they say, I know that's, we have a problem. We know we're behind. Why are these guys doing this? But then that question will be posed, right? So we know there's an issue, but there has to be the commitment because there's going to take some real change in that organization to make a focus on e-commerce. Okay, so let's suppose that that's some top leaders. Let's suppose you became the CEO of a big brand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Say a pet food brand. Yeah, okay. What would you do? I think one of the things you have to start realizing is in what primarily what you're seeing is they're looking at e-commerce as this offshoot type of um, kind of thing that we should start doing something a little bit better on, right? Of course, all our focus is over here in brick and mortar, but we should maybe start figuring out why are we, you know, let's do that search thing. Right? And what we're seeing too much is, hey, let's go get an intern, let's put them on the Amazon listings, and we'll get that figured out. Right? What we're, I think what so many are not understanding, and if I was the CEO, I'd understand that how my company is represented on the Amazons of the world, of the Walmart.coms of the world, is directly impacting my business in the aisle. Right? There's a lot of what I talk about, and I talk to my team about this point of inspiration that we have to be at. 
So when you have a consumer, we have a, let's say a younger female pet lo lover, which is a growing category. Guess what? She's having a point of inspiration when, when she is uh, watching Netflix and she sees something cool. What does she directly do? She doesn't immediately get up and go into, go into the aisle, I'll tell you that, right? She picks up her phone, that was pretty cool, let me do a search. We just saw that about 74% of searches, product searches start on Amazon. Where should I better be at when she picks up her phone? 74% product search, product search starts on Amazon. My. Okay, that's amazing. That's an amazing stat. We have to be with that consumer at her point of inspiration, right? And so that point of inspiration, again, it's not happening when I'm in the aisle most of the time, right? It is wherever they're at. They're on a jog. They're doing, they're just, they're living their life. What's the first, the first thing they're doing is going to their phone and, and doing a search. Or as you said, you're on Instagram and you're just scrolling through. You see an ad. Hey, that's cool, right? And then even if you don't purchase then, that's now in your mind, mm -hmm. right? And you, you have a decision that's made. What I'd understand here is that I've now got to be there, now I'm in front of mine, and now when my consumer is in the aisle in Walmart, in Target, in Walgreens, I've now already influenced them, right? This isn't about this difference between brick and mortar retail and e-commerce, this is retail, right? If, if, if you're not understanding that and being there and representing with visibility, representing with your branding on the e-commerce channels, on the Amazon, on the Walmart, you're not playing the full game of retail any longer. So we're probably going to continue to see a huge proliferation of brands, and we're probably going to see big brands slowly having to get rid of some of the categories they're in because they're not going to... I mean, yeah, there's going to be some that will respond, but they're already kind of behind. They're already there. Every day they're getting further behind. And, you know, it, it, I was talking, I was having a conversation with um, a potential client. Um, it's been some time ago. And they shared a story with me to where it said this e-commerce thing is, is reminiscent of when um, the, the club business came about. Okay, and oh, there's this club business, but oh, we don't want to mess with that. We don't want to mess with that. It's going to require us to do this, require us to do new packaging, going to require new logistics, and oh, it's just uh, let somebody else can do that, right? And before you know it, the, the, that it passed them by. They didn't have the club, the, the shelf space in the club business, right? And now it's very, very easy to look back and say, well, it's pretty, it's pretty good business. I better be there, right? You have to do it now. The, the, the train has already left. The further you're not putting your initial, you're putting initial behind it, making the commitment to your from the top down leadership, and making the investments in the platforms right now, it's you're getting further beyond. And we talked a little bit earlier about people are making those kind of buying decisions that they're sticking with until that brand screws up. So you're going to be the guy next in line, hopefully getting a chance at that consumer. John, would you talk a little bit more about some of the different areas you cover? within your, your business, your different departments? You know, one of the things we've took at, we took a, a, a big step in terms of, hey, what truly is the best thing that we're doing to bring value to our clients on the e-commerce platforms? And for us, it really nailed down to two things. It's visibility and branding. And when you look at those two things, regardless of the actual e-retailer, Amazon, Walmart, Kroger, whoever it may be, 
Those two things are at the heart of everything that we do here, visibility and branding. And so here's what I kind of mean by that in terms of from a visibility standpoint, you have to have, you know, a lot of things we talk about is an endless shelf that you can have a million items out there, right? Does it really matter if you have a million items listed if no one is seeing them? I'd venture to say that no, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Yeah. You have to have the visibility of them. So there's two main drivers of that visibility. The first, uh, the first is the content itself. And so what we see a lot with brands is you have packaging content or you have a brand brief, you have a brand story, and that's great. That is a wonderful starting point. But we have to realize in this digital environment they're in now, and when we're talking to uh, an Amazon, we're talking to an algorithm. There are certain things that those platforms are looking for for information and to, dr- to try to build that relevancy from this search term to this set of products. And so for all of our brands, we have a content team. So regardless, you're going to share with the, you know, your brand story, or if you don't have, have one, we'll help you do that. But we have a content team to get the keyword research to make sure we have the, the, the important keywords and the best places so the search terms or the search terms are going to be um, viewed and indexed by the platforms that they need to be. So that's our content team. The other side of the visibility is the advertising side of, uh, of things. So while it used to be a one-man show, and you know, I would talk a lot about, hey, it's about being on the first page, being on the first page. Well, guess what? Now, when you go to many categories on a platform like Amazon, everything that's above the fold are ad placements. You've now got to scroll down the page to see what we call the organic rankings, right? The ones that are there for free. And so if you are not playing and participating, your competitor is, right? And, and, and he's there and, and being shown before you are even from an organic standpoint. So it's now become a kind of a two-man show in terms of the visibility. So you have the content that has to be right in terms of your keywords in the right place, your graphical images and your, um, your image stack, as we call it, needs to help convert. But you also have to have the other side of the visibility, which is from the advertising and actually getting a strong return on that investment. So that's the visibility side of things. The other side of the things that's also with our content, t- content team is with the branding aspect of your brand and the unification of your brand messaging and brand story across the e-retailers. What we see right now is if there is any kind of branding on a platform, it may, it may uh, look this way on Amazon, a different way on Walmart, a different way on Jet, and a different way on Kroger, right? That's not a seamless brand message that many brands are trying to achieve, right? So we've got to get that brand messaging. And again, we talk about that point of inspiration. You better look good. You better have strong reviews. You better have a brand, st- a brand store page where you can actually sell and have that consumer make a buying decision. So that's the content team. Then the other thing that we have is an operations team. One thing certainly for sure, just because we go and do something today and it's working today doesn't mean it's going to continue working tomorrow in these digital platforms. And so there's a lot of things that happen on, on the on kind of behind the scenes from our operations team, from a case management standpoint, from dealing with unauthorized sellers, price points, price changes, sellers changing images, all kinds of things that needs to keep to stay from something that's good and making sure it stays good, right? Then the other team that we have is our reporting and analytics team. 
We uh, also have software development here, and we provide our, our clients with tools to help them manage the business. Also helps us manage the business internally. But what we've got to make sure that we're doing is providing the reporting and the performance so they understand what's going on, and so they can report to their leadership and say, hey, uh, Matt, what's going on with e-commerce? Well, let's take a look at the reporting here. We can log into the dashboard and see what's going on. So you're also a software company. You're only as good as the tools that you can utilize, okay? When you're out, and I think that's what we see, is right now there's still a lot of fragmentation in terms of different tools and different kind of needs of running the business. You have you know, a tool for, again, maybe this little advertising side. You have a tool that's maybe going to help you find different keywords. You have a different tool that's going to help you with inventory. You have a different tool that's going to help you with accounting. And, and on and on and on and on. And it's this whole kind of proliferation of these different tool sets that are out there. And so what we step into is really trying to combine those different tool sets and we allow someone to, you know, regardless of how they're running their business, where if you're a first party seller on Amazon or a third party seller on Amazon, a tool that allows them to see everything that's going on in their business from a, from a single tool. That was outstanding. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so very much, much. Appreciate it. I, I appreciate you coming out, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for chatting with me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Be Epic podcast from the Walton College. You can find us on Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or look for us wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can find current and past episodes by searching Be Epic Podcast, one word, that's B-E-E-P-I-C podcast, and now Be Epic. Be Epic.